everyone. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 81, Ratatouille. Yeah, with the dub bird. The Brad bird. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, Brad Bird, and everything in between. We're your hosts, Morgan Stradling, Chelsea Robson, and Mason Smith. Oui, oui. Today we are going to speak in French accents. I didn't yeah. know Brad Bird was his own entity. Oh, he's becoming it. I'm just saying. <laughs> just he's hopped around from all the studios, but he is his own entity. It's like this is a Pixar film and a Brad Bird film. And I know most people do that for movies anyway, but sometimes you forget about the director and you move on. But you cannot forget the director for this film. Yeah. Not when it's Brad Bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that they did Iron Giant kind of gives him kind of like sort of an independent like uh. thing apart from Disney Pixar, you know? Oh, the Iron Giant. Can we go review that again? I love that. <laughs> we, should, we should totally do like revisited. That would be cool. We could do it as a, a like a live stream or a Google Hangout. That would be a cool way to. Oh, that would be a cool way to. Watch with us. Coming soon on the Rotoscopers. Just be ready, guys. So for those of you who are new to the show, the Animation Addicts podcast is a podcast devoted to our love of animated films, past and present. Each episode, we review a film. And currently, we are in the midst of our Mice and Rat series, where the films that we are talking about either have one character that is a mice and or rat or many characters. In this case, the, the movie that we are doing today is Ratatouille. There are many characters that are rats, and we are excited to get down and talk about them. Yep. Little mice. <laughs> I can't do a little mouse noise. Yeah, shall we all try? Nope. That's pretty good. <laughs> that just sounds like one That's screaming. That's like a balloon coming out. Baybacks. That's pretty good. Squeaking. If you have a good squeaker, guys, send us your voicemails. We'll play send it on our next your best voice impression. <laughs> If we get like a hundred people to do it, we could play it all at once. That would be the best <laughs> thing for the, the best of 2014 episode right there. The time we, we like crowdsourced a giant <laughs> rat impression <laughs> noise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so normally on the show, sometimes we do something called a nerdy couch discussion. It's basically what it sounds. It's a bunch of us pretending that we're chilling back on couches and just talking about random things that come to mind, as most people would do with two in the morning. And we've sort of had a Rotoscopers book club where sometimes we discuss different books. And what we've been wanting to do is discuss Ed Catmull's book, Creativity, Inc. This episode would be a perfect one to do it, and we kind of ran out of time. So we promise we're going to do it on a future episode. But be prepared. So if you still haven't read the book, please read the book and send us your thoughts and your reviews. And that way we can have all of your guys' thoughts and we can play your voicemails um, in our Nerdy Couch discussion that we will do in a future episode. So if you want to read the book, you can buy it at rotoscopers.com slash creativity inc or you can listen to it using our audible link you get one free book so you can use your free book for creativity inc it's definitely one that you will be listening to again and again and again that is at rotoscopers.com slash audible so get ready and if you have voicemails send them in at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails now on to the show Yes, yes, yes. Well, the French, 
I can't do a French accent at all. I'm not even going to try. Good try, Chelsea. I know. No, don't. The French already hate me, so whatever. <laughs> just pretend Just pretend Why like you're French constantly hate? smoking. Well, I was going to say, like, don't hate me, French. But I'm like, oh, wait, the French hate everybody. They're French. Excuse me. Oh. I'm kidding. I have Yesterday. French, and they're amazing, and they're so nice, and they're so loving and kind, and they'll let you come into their house and stay for six months because they're just cool like that. Sure. Uh, I yeah. have met your friends. They're cool. They're so cool. The Gunyans. I don't know Shout any French out. people. I don't even remember seeing France Rat when it first came out. I do. Oh, I do. I remember because it was like, oh, the new Pixar film. I'm so excited to go see this. And I was living in New York and we just happened to be, my cousin and I like ended up going to D.C. and we had nothing to do during for like a short of no, I'm sure we could have found something to do, but I really wanted to see this movie because it was the new Pixar, and it was like, I have to see this movie. And so, yeah, I just, I remember seeing it then. I yeah, remember seeing the uh, the preview for it, you know, where it's just like the waiter, and he's talking about cheese, you know, and you don't see his face, but the, the waiter is actually voiced by Brad Bird in that little preview <laughs> teaser, and he, like, opens that one, and there's Remy, and then there's this awesome scene of him running through the kitchen and then the the awesome freeze frame, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it might have been like the beginning of those like Pixar movies where they just kind of teased it. They didn't really give away anything about the plot because that scene doesn't happen at all and then the situation doesn't happen at all or even make sense in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Cars sort of started the trend where the original Cars te- teaser was just Mater and, and uh, Lightning McQueen driving on a road, and it, that's not in the original film, yeah. the final fil- version of the film. Well, yeah. I remember seeing the movie because, like Chelsea said, I think by this point in time, I mean, Pixar have been around 12 years. They definitely established themselves as the go-to um, movie studio. So anything the studio had put out and still today say, I feel it's this, basically the same. You were so excited. You didn't really care what it was about. You just knew Pixar made it. I got to see it. And so I remember being so excited to see Ratatouille and I just loved the concept. And I thought the marketing was so cute because it is this French word that if you didn't know how to read French very well, uh, or at all, then you wouldn't know how to say it. But even at the, on the posters, it, it showed how to say it. And I remember practicing like Ratatouille, Ratatouille. And now it's just, <laughs> it's second nature to just see the word and say, Oh yeah, Ratatouille. Um, but at the time it was something new. And I remember that first teaser poster where it's Remy and there's all these knives and he's reaching for a piece of cheese, which that's not what the movie is about at all. Like Mason said with the original teaser, it's like they really tried to play off these stereotypes in the promotion. It's like Remy's never like chasing cheese in the movie, but whatever. I mean, you, you gotta put those, you know, classic elements into play so people can kind of set it up in their minds. Anyway, so I remember going and seeing this movie at an advanced screening. I remember looking in the newspaper and there was a, an, advertisement for it saying, Hey, there's an advanced screening on this day. It was a week before the movie came out and I was like, and I felt so cool that I, you know, you didn't have to do anything special. They were just doing all these advanced screenings. And so I just went and bought a ticket and I, I think my sister was with me and, um, 
so I, yeah, and I just remember being so in love with this movie. I thought it was amazing. And the song Le Festine by Camille, um, I just remember downloading that song and listening to it over and over and over on my <laughs> iPod. I thought it was the most amazing song in the world. And um, I even had it as a ringtone at one point, but it was just so quiet. It just, it wasn't a very effective ringtone, but that's how much I loved that song. Like I, you know, in your iTunes playlist, when it tells you, you can sort by the number of times you played a song. Oh, yeah. That would have been my top five because I listened to that song to death. I just thought it was amazing. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I have no idea why, but I don't think I ever saw this in theaters, and I can't even remember the Pixar short that comes before it. Shameful disgrace. I know. A disgrace to the forces of evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Russell. Yeah. And, um, and what else? Oh, so this was uh, Pixar's eighth film, but it was the first one after after the merger with Disney. So, it, you know, you look at all the posters and it's like, Disney presents a Pixar film, you know, so that, you know, produced and, like, distributed by Disney, but, but like, Disney really hit a jackpot with this one. Yeah, so the budget for this film was $150 million, and it made $623 million worldwide, which, that is big. Um, just going and looking at, you know, how well most films do, that's that's quite good. I heard its opener was really weak, but it eventually like gained a lot of traction. And in France, it was like uh, I don't know, it was like the most successful animated film of all time shown in France. Okay, so for Ratatouille, it's actually sort of the middle of Pixar's films. Um, it made six hundred twenty-three million. The Incredibles was just right above it, eight million more. Um, and then we start going into Up and Monsters University and Finding Nemo. You know, seven hundred million plus, and then a, mil- a billion for Toy Story three. But I mean, this for for its content and for what it is, you wouldn't think that it would be such a hit. I mean, this is above the original Toy Story, this is above Brave, above Cars 2, even above Cars, which is such a massive franchise. I think Cars has a little bit more longevity because of the the toys, but Ratatouille, as just a work of art, did very well in the box office. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe this movie. It is is a very artsy, like, work of art, Mm -hmm. like Morgan said. And it's very different from other Pixar films. I mean, every Pixar film is kind of original in in its own sense. But, like, just think of the challenge that they had to, like, sell to the public, okay? It's like a movie about a rat who wants to be a cook in Paris, but he needs this, like, kind of shiftless guy's um, help to do it. Uh, His body. Yeah, while at the same... Yeah, I'm good at at appearing human. (laughs) Um, and, uh, And together they kind of, like... They kind of like live this weird life, and it, it's all about the the like world of of fine dining and like fine food, which the world isn't isn't all that uh isn't all that familiar with. I think when they did this film, they like tried to market, they tried to like do some promotions with like some you know foods you, you know, but like no one would put a rat on their <laughs> on oh. their food boxes for ratatouille, <laughs> you know. I know there was some pro- there was an issue with it was originally on a they did a promotion with Costco and they they were supposed to release a wine which totally makes sense French or France wine ratatouille oh, sweet. a ratatouille let's version wine yeah but um it was pulled because it had a cartoon character uh, you know which yeah, was like, promoting uh, alcohol to children to? right. <laughs> <laughs> so <That's pretty> understandable. <laughs> well, this you know, okay, I'm pretty sure Ratatouille is rated G, isn't it? I don't know why it wouldn't be. Well, I know why it wouldn't be. I mean, there's there's just more like a little bit more mature mature material than I I think would normally be in a rated G film. 
You know, because there's a whole thing around Linguini being the illegitimate son of of Gusto. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a little aside about one of the cooks like having run away with the or messing around with the uh, the ringmaster's daughter when he was in the circus. Oh dear! It was like all kinds of stuff like that. And I'm like, hmm, I guess this did get a rated G. But it's cool because they managed to achieve like a rated G film and not have it be like I don't know, Romeo and Juliet or Dugal or something like that. You know, something totally juvenile. And actually, I think there are more adults that like Ratatouille than there are, like, children, you know? I mean, if a 10-year-old kid has their choice of Pixar movies, I, I don't like. I, I don't think I'd know many that would say that Ratatouille was their first pick, you know? Yeah, which is why I love this concept, because it just, I mean, with everything being so commercial nowadays, it seems the artsy films or, you know, the especially for an animation studio, the more adult film would not be made. It'd be made by a smaller studio and more independent, maybe overseas. But the fact that this, you know, kids, it does appeal to, but I don't see this as being someone's favorite film, like you said. But I, for most adults that I talk to love this movie. Um, and I think because it does hit those higher points and it's able to, like tell the metaphor of um, being an artist and being new in a field. And it just tells this wonderful story about, you know, following your dreams, which is all basically summarized in the final speech or review that Anton gives at the end. But I think for those reasons, it, it appeals so much to adults. And, and to me still today is probably one of my top five animated films is Ratatouille. And hmm. it's good. I don't remember being particularly impressed with it the first time I saw it, but then, um, but having, but that was like, several years ago and then i saw it again today to get ready for the episode and um like very solid like from an animation standpoint it's pretty masterful i will agree that it is entire like it's beautiful film like as you're watching it you're just like wow this is all really pretty but like i'm feeling like i'm i'm missing something because i honestly never got i i guess i fall into that 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 group of people that just never like was drawn to this. Maybe it's the fact that I'm kind of like Remy's dad in the sense that I don't really like certain foods don't really make me all that happy. Like I'm, it's kind of like in the goalposts as my brother would put it. It's like, if you, if it tastes good, it tastes good. It's like, well, okay. So I don't really, yeah. See, which I think is weird because you like the film is about following your dreams, even though you don't necessarily look the part and mm-hmm. not saying and, and that's very much you not saying you don't look. the part. No. Yeah. Yeah. You very much do. But you're very much like a dreamer. You, you know, believe that you can. I, I love the, the line that he says is Anton's like not everyone can, you know, have greatness, but greatness can come from anywhere, basically, you know, and, yeah. and that's. I don't know. I see. I see that as a philosophy that you believe in and are a proponent of. And so I'm just interested that it doesn't really captivate you. Maybe it's just or, the fact that it's a rat. Yeah, I know you have mentioned this in previous episodes. But Chelsea, be real. Like, it, this could be way worse. What if it were a cockroach who wanted oh to learn God. how to? Oh. Yeah, cockatooie. Oh, <laughs> cockatooie. You're oh a roach. <laughs> You'll always be a roach and you can never be a cook. <laughs> Papa, why are we Irish cockroaches? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe that's just it. I don't know. Um, no, I totally agree with the, the philosophy of the greatness can come from anywhere. And just and it is, uh, I do also agree of, like, you know, yeah, follow your dreams. Find something that you want to do and do it. Um, I guess you just have to put it in the right 
situation for me to really like take advantage of the of the plot. But man, I just can't get past the rat. <laughs> All right, well, well. I'll, I'll admit that I, I didn't become like a, a food snob after watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't really do anything. It didn't really pique my interest in fine dining, like from France. You know, yeah. um, I'm still going to go grab. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was the point. Um, I don't know. Well, I remember when I first saw it, I wasn't particularly impressed with it because, like, I didn't pick up on the like the tech. tech technological achievements but also like i don't know i just kind of felt like the story was kind of like okay so it's like like a, a guy that shouldn't be at a place really wants to be at a place and, and and fulfill his dreams and totally go go against his nature and and everybody either needs to learn to accept him or, or whatever so i was like we've seen that before but i don't know i think i think what ratitude became even though it's one, definitely one of the more like obscure pixar films in my opinion like i don't think a mm-hmm. lot of people put it on their top five pixar films um it's still like i, I don't know i think it's just kind of one of those quintessential pixar films because it just had all the key ingredients like it had the really fun writing and it had uh you know it had the humor and stuff i guess and had kind of a wacky premise and um and creative ways of like visualizing things you know Mm-hmm. Like we saw things in Ratatouille that I'd, I'd never seen in a animated film, and um, it was really cool. So, talking about how this didn't spark your interest in food, I have actually a pretty funny story. So, after this movie, I became obsessed with the idea of trying Ratatouille. I remember this. Oh, you specifically wanted that? Dish? Yes, I no, wanted. She to was try. so obsessed with this. It's like I really want to try this, and like Morgan she was just going all over the place trying to find this. <laughs> Yeah, and so, you know, I couldn't find it anywhere. Apparently, I wasn't going to the right restaurants. Clearly didn't attempt to go to a French restaurant, because why would you do that? <laughs> you go but, to get ratatouille these days. But our, well, you actually can get it at Disneyland now. But, um, nice. so our French friends, uh, a few months, basically a month or two later, um, they came and visited us, and they made us a meal one day. And before they were prepping the meal, and I was like, oh, have you, do you know how to make ratatouille? And they said, oh, yeah course yeah ratatouille blah blah blah. and and they're like do you want some i'm like yes and so they showed me how to make ratatouille and the type of ratatouille they made is not the kind that you see in the film the kind you see in the film is a is a a special kind yeah it's where the vegetables are baked and not cooked in a in a pot Yes, and um, that's probably the key because basically what you do is you get eggplant, you get tomatoes, you get a bunch of just various squashes and and sort of things, um, and you cut them into little pieces, you stick them in a pot, and you let it simmer down to a mush, basically. Mm -hmm. And then you serve the mush, and it's called ratatouille, and it's horrible. Like, we were eating, and our whole family was there. And um, um, not even the French kids were eating the ratatouille. Like, they didn't even offer it to themselves. Like they, and well, that's because <laughs> ratatouille is like a provincial dish. It's like, hey, do you want some shepherd's pie, you know? No, shepherd's pie is delicious. Ratatouille is not. Okay, well, it's, it's, like, it's like something you would eat out if you lived out in the boonies. Yeah, but still, that, that type of food can be good. I don't think they were turning their nose up to it because it was uh, like a like a peasant food it was because it's i'm sure they were like gross no thank you so they didn't even serve themselves the the adults did and everyone else got like um 
you know, serve themselves, but no one got seconds. And I felt really awkward because they made this huge vat and like, I couldn't even like get it down, but I had to give myself like a second and third helping. Cause I was like, <laughs> why you, did I do this to myself? If you didn't love it. You wouldn't swallow. Well, and also, yeah, because they had graciously prepared this meal and they kept asking like, Oh, how do you like the ratatouille? I'm like, it's great. Oh, have some more, have some more, you know? And it was just, yeah, that was my one and only experience with ratatouille. And I need to find a good place or recipe to redeem it because um, I'm still interested in trying that version from the movie if it exists. But the real stuff, guys, don't fall for it. <laughs> did you did you dress like Anton Ego? I wish. <laughs> did you gender swap it, Antoinette Ego? <laughs> that's what you. Oh my gosh, that's my new. That's my new Halloween costume. That's new cosplay. <laughs> Antoinette Ego. All right, so. Just some more general stuff, I guess, with production. This was originally conceived, like the the actual the concept of Ratatouille was conceived by Jan Pinkava, who is not a woman, and because um, men can be named Jan too. He was like a story artist. He was like an animator, and um, he came up with this idea. And then he was director. And I guess after only a few months, um, they they said we need to bring in someone else, and so they brought in Brad Bird, and uh, Brad Bird. Excellent, uh, you know, excellent director and writer and stuff. Um, he made a few changes to the original script. So, in uh, the original version of Ratatouille, the character Gusto wasn't originally wasn't dead, and also Skinner and Colette had smaller roles. And then a big thing that uh, Bradbury changed was distinguishing between um, Remy, who walks on his hind feet, and the rest of his rat clan, who all walk on their uh, four paws. And then there's also uh, originally a lot of the story took place in like the catacombs of Paris, which um, w- when I think of the Paris catacombs, I I, I just visualize the um, the That's creepy so area where yeah the cre- well the creepy area uh, where all the gypsies live in Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, like filled with skulls and skeletons. <laughs> you have to go through a graveyard <laughs> to get into it. I know about France, and <laughs> so yeah, and so we have kind of this. Um, I don't know. It must have been a really – I'd like to, like, research more about what exactly happens when a director has to take over for another director. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of heart-wrenching, to be honest. Like, because you don't really know what happened behind the scenes, but he didn't ultimately stay with Pixar. He left. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Jan, he ultimately left the company. He And then it was quite awkward because he refused to comment on the film. Um, you know, whenever he would be asked in an interview, he'd just say no comment, and he kind of never talked about it for, you know, a few years. And he ultimately, you know, was, was given, not given the director's role anymore, so he undertook some other, you know, jobs and then left the company. Um, so he's not... He is the the co-director of the film, technically. So while we all say, oh, this is Brad Bird's film, woohoo, <laughs> it's really Brad Bird. It's sort of like the, the Don Blue thing. I mean, usually Gary Goldman was in there as a co-director, <laughs> but we kind of just oversee or ignore that. It's like yes. what happened with Brave. I think people actually do consider Brenda Chapman to be, like, I feel like those two at least got credit or they, they're considered mm-hmm. in the same vein. But with Jan, I think most people just have kind of disregarded him as being a co-director. But he left. Uh, he worked at, at Leica for a while. And uh, now apparently he's working for Motorola Mobility, where he's come up with a new in-phone interactive animation genre. So hmm. there is that. Uh, so, yes, it's kind of awkward because this was his idea. 
same thing with Brenda Chapman, which makes it even worse that, you know, they develop the script and it's their idea and then they get replaced, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I'm not, well, yeah, if, I mean, the first thing is that, um, you know, when you pitch an idea and they accept it, then it automatically becomes the property of that studio. Mm-hmm. Which is, is, is crazy to think about because in the MS program at Texas A&M, they do a, uh, a thing over the summer where they co-produce animated shorts with people from DreamWorks and also Real Effects and I think Disney. And while the grad students do the majority of the work, everything is actually the property of DreamWorks in the end. Nah. So it's kind of weird. It's not like we can sell DVDs on it, you know. And uh, so it's kind of like a weird little ownership thing. But, yeah, I guess it, it was his idea until he he signed it off as a, a production for Pixar, and then it became Pixar's. So, hey, so, fair is fair, I guess. <laughs> so keep your good ideas to yourself. Un- <laughs> yeah, keep your ideas to yourself unless you're absolutely sure they will keep you on as director. <laughs> <laughs> or just include that, I don't know, stipulation that – if you try to replace me, I, I don't know. You probably can't then have that much power. I'll, I'll, I'll tickle you. I don't know. <laughs> wow, okay. Adam's apple. <laughs> you went um, there. You went there. Don't go there. Yeah. So, Brad Bird. Brad Bird. Brad Bird. Brad Bird. Brad that's like a Bill Brasky on the SNL. Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The Brad. The Bird. The Bird. The Bird. Yes. Bird. Bird. <laughs> and then, uh, so as soon as you start the movie, uh, you begin the French snobbery um, because um, you see, oh, it's kind of like that floating TV thing from Romeo plus Juliet. Mm-hmm. You know the one that the dude from Australia, Moulin Rouge. Okay, um, and uh, it, it's a light. It's a kind of a cool setup. Like I'm, a, I don't know why I've been. Maybe because I've been involved in an animated short film, but I, I'm learning more about animated story and how it works and how it all comes together. And I really like how they kind of set everything up. You know, because there's a lot to remember. Because not only do you have Remy, um, who's the kind of the star of the show, you got Linguini, who's the human star of the show, and. Um, there are a ton of characters that you have to keep track of. And so the film, I think, does a terrific job of, of like, setting everything up. So we start with Gusto, you know, and then um, we kind of – it kind of – you kind of see how amazing Gusto is and how great his character is. And then you're also introduced to Anton Ego, which is a great foreshadowing of, like – one of the one of the big conflicts of the film, which is will Gusto's restaurant, you know, survive Anton Ego's like review. Mm-hmm. And boy, do I love that guy! Anton Ego's just a great character. I don't know. Maybe it's just the animation, but the animation reminds me of um, Hotel Transylvania. I mean, Ooh, it just reminds like me Dracula. of Dracula. <gasps> don't spoil yeah. it. I'm, I'm halfway done with that movie. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't watched Hotel Transylvania yet? I own it, and I was I watching thought, it on Halloween, but I fell asleep. As you always do. As I always do. I mean, this is not a surprise. Oh, my gosh. To, to me, just a side note, to me, falling asleep during a movie is is a is a high crime. It is, it Morgan is high. should be hung. <laughs> well, at least dragged out in the street or something um I, I don't know i just never understood the concept of watching a movie to fall asleep i don't try to fall asleep i oh, okay it's like after nine o'clock so fair game you know and i'm on a couch and Hashtag nothing end up, good can happen <laughs> and i end up laying down 
trying super hard to pay attention. And next thing I know, it's two hours later. I'm like, what? And the dog <laughs> has chewed things and he's stolen things from me. And that literally happened two nights ago. Jimmy. <laughs> Jenny. I had this, I had this Jimmy, ice pack. No. And he stole the ice, and that's how I woke up because it was a brand. Did Jimmy new steal pack. an ice pack? I was using it. And, oh, he and stole then, it right from under your nose. Literally, he <laughs> took it from my body where it was sitting, and I didn't know because I was asleep. And next thing I know, he's chewing it on the ground. I'm like, no, the You're worst. So way adorable, to but it's horrible. So anyway, sorry for that tangent. <laughs> no, it's a great tangent. But um, okay, so you, are always welcome. Uh, yeah, Jimmy. so let's let's rewind all the way through that, and I think we were talking about Anton Ego resembling Count Dracula. <laughs> I think his uh, his shape language and stuff makes him look like a buzzard. You know, yes, it was actually uh, modeled after a vulture. Really? Oh, that makes ah! sense. And then if if you notice, his office is shaped like shaped a, like a coffin, like a coffin. Very <laughs> yeah. literal in the uh, you know the um, imagery. I like him a lot, and I like him because he's one of those characters who you think who is an antagonist, but has a change of heart at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I just like that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, so all of that, and then um, we're kind of launched into the story of Remy in this big long exposition about how he got into got to Paris, and it it sets up uh, sets up a lot of the conflicts. You know, I like his tough New York Brooklyn dad who was like <laughs> Remy. You'll always be a rat, you hear me? We need someone to sniff out the poison. And, uh, good. 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 Clean. Clean as a whistle. Close to heavenly. Close to Close to God Latinus. Like, huh? You know, (laughs) cleanliness is close to... Never mind. (laughs) I like like Patton Oswalt. He's funny. Don't ever watch his stand-up. It's filthy. I've only watched, like, one routine of him, and I don't know. Eh. You can have your own thing and still be a voice actor for a kids show, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I sometimes I have a heart uh, a problem with that though, you know? Cuz like okay, you're a stand-up comedian, you're you're doing voice for a rated G, G movie. It's not like a 7-year-old is going to like look you up. Yeah. You know? Cuz they probably like the characters, but it, you know, it's it's still kind of weird, you know. I didn't start- Like how they cast a like how they cast John Stewart as the bad guy for the movie Dugall. Which is fine. It totally fits because he's such, he's such a terrible person. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but he is. And um, um, but anyway, sometimes I, I have a problem with that. Like, you know, who they exactly cast? I didn't start paying attention to like celebrities until I was about two, eleven. I just remember when um, Titanic came out. People said, "Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio's in this, and and this person, and this person." And I just remember thinking. Who? Like, I, mm-hmm. I realized it was like a very definitive moment where I realized I have never paid attention to this stuff before <laughs> and I'm out of the loop. Like, I, yeah. don't, know, I don't know who I'm celebrities 11. are. Oh, yeah, no. exactly. Being out of the loop is the worst. So, the <laughs> you know, ever since then, I try to actively remember who people are and now I'm quite good at it, I think. But yeah, it was just kind of a, a moment of like, I don't know who anybody is. And I never really cared before. Well, you know what's crazy about Ratatouille is that um, in France, Rat, like every there's a lot of voice actors who are like total surprises. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah. um, here's one. Um, okay, Ian Holm is Skinner, so you'll you know him as Bilbo Baggins from The Lord of the Rings. He's like an evil Bilbo. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then Gusto himself is voiced by Brad Garrett. You know the the brother from That's So Raven. No, not that so Raven. Everybody loves Raven. <laughs> That's so Raven, eh? <laughs> Everybody loves Raven. <laughs> That's me. <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, they should do a crossover. And then um, Will Will Arnett voices um, he voices a serious person for once. He voices um, the Horst, the kind of Germanish oh, yeah. um, head chef who has the freaky looking head. Was in the the midst or towards the tail end of his Arrested Development days. Michael, but where did the lighter fluid come from? <laughs> it was an illusion. Um, and so that, that's very like non Will Arnett because nowadays when you cast Will Arnett in a role in a movie, it's it's you're getting Will Arnett, you're getting Job from Arrested Development. Totally, <laughs> literally. And then it, it was even hard to to catch the the John Ratzenberger character because mm-hmm. everybody had accents. Yeah, it was cool. Peter O'Toole as Anton Ego. I mean, he he's been around forever. I don't particularly know his work very well, but I just appreciated this was wasn't filled with A listers. Like it just <laughs> it was just whoever and was doing Katie the best. Katy Perry as oh, the French God. lady. Yeah. You know, Pixar has done a good job at that though. Like they've never, I've never noticed at least where they've they focused Hanks. on. Well, yeah, but John Goodman. yes. Sorry, we don't need to shut <laughs> you down on that. But I'm saying, but you're right. You're right. It, it, like, compared to like compared, they, yeah, they compared to you know most other studios, like they capitalize on that the most. And I, th- I feel like Blue Sky yes, does it a lot. Mm-hmm, Blue Sky for sure. Like Rio, that's all the advertising was. Is like here's who who's in the movie. Tracy Morgan's the last film. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I, I'm very I'm very impressed and pleased. And actually, um, the voice of Emil, his brother, was a, a story artist at Pixar. And Brad Bird just, like, I guess heard him talking one day and was like, uh, you act and talk exactly like one of our characters. Uh, Would you like to be the voice for that? That's awesome. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And then Brad Bird does one voice. I think he's, um, like, the secretary of Antonigo. I've always wondered in situations like that, does he get two checks? How does that work? Because, I mean, I, I just went and saw... The Penguins of Madagascar. Funny, by the way. Just FYI. Um, oh, I'd love to see that one, Private. It, no, it was really funny. I, I legitimately liked it. Um, but yeah, that's the the director is the voice of... Skipper. Skipper. Skipper, yeah. I'm like, what's Skip. the names? <laughs> he's a, the director's the voice of Skipper. And well, he always, he's always been. Right. But I, like, that's one of those questions that I've always had. Like, Do you get two paychecks? Because that would be cool. <laughs> I'll ask. All about the money. I'll ask. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, another side note on the uh, animation. Um, the movie is, like, super beautiful. Like, it's got so much color, you know? Like, they brought a city to life with, with like, color and lighting. And it's kind of funny because looking at it, like, having sort of a technical standpoint, like, the pre-Monsters University rendering and lighting, like, really shows to me. This was back when they did not do global illumination and ray tracing for an entire movie. So it's really hard to, like, there's not a lot of variation in the light. Like, there's no, like, total black shadow in the movie on the characters or anything. Whereas in Monsters University, they were able to get that entire spectrum. I don't know if that really has anything to do with global illumination and ray tracing, but even though the animation is is just as beautiful as any other Pixar movie, um, highly advanced, I feel like um, the lighting and rendering was just, just... one stage older than what we have now, you know? And it shows how, how far we've come in just, like, what, nine years? Yeah. This was, two, this was like, 2000... No, this is 2007, so, like, seven years. Do you feel the film looks dated? Like, 
Like, well, well for, on the on the one hand, the lighting and the rendering, yes, it feels a little dated, like with the fur and stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what they te- the technical achievements on this film are just astounding. Because like I was looking at it and I was like, you know what? I wouldn't know the first thing about creating a CG pot of soup. <laughs> And and um, modeling and like surfacing the soup texture as it's being stirred, and then boiling it. And they had a, um, I think, I think they had like a. For, first of all, the the effects artists and and the the animators they and like the people who built all the little objects in the movie. I think they all had to go to culinary camp or something like that. Like they had to, they like a few of them did apprenticeships with famous chefs, and they were just around food for. Um, you know, preparing for for these, um, I guess, technical challenges. Well, know? that's one thing that's very difficult is lighting food and making food look appetizing. Oh, and yes. so they spent a lot of time, you know, bringing in food consultants. You know, when they developed, when, when Feast, the new Disney short, they did the same thing. They brought in experts because, you know, when you have a, a menu or a restaurant, I mean, you, we've all been there where we see like the hole in the wall place that just took photos of their own food and you're like, ugh. I guess I'll get a number five. Like I'm not excited to eat that, but, and then you go to, you know, a place that has a little bit more money and just the photos of the food, you know, you have to use white light (laughs) and it just makes it look yummy. And there's just a way that you need to light food to make it look good. And that was really important thing because that's such a central part of the film is food and, and fine food at that. And so I, I think it really shows because I think the food looks yummy. Like it looks like something that you would find at a five star restaurant, you know, with the little sprig on top and whatnot. And I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in trying this, even the ratatouille, even though I'm skeptical. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And one of the secrets of why of how they made the food look so realistic and appetizing is a, a rendering technique called subsurface scattering. They um Pixar really got into it with the Incredibles and that just means um you know how if you look at your arm right now you have your first layer of skin but you can also see other layers um down almost down to like the blood veins and the muscles and stuff. And that's something that they achieved in the Incredibles and they brought that in to ratatouille as they discovered that um like potatoes and you know vegetables have skin and they have layers ogres have layers onions have layers and uh, and so they brought that over as another kind of technical advancement in this film and um but it just boggles my man my mind how how like how intricate the movie is because not only because you got to think of the set design for this film and by the way the the set manager for this film, uh, had a culinary degree, and so they knew about kitchens and stuff. And uh, and obviously, with, with Pixar as a in general, they always do the research, which is like rule number one for really good pre-production, which of course carries into your production. And so, just all I'm just blown away by all these sets, like these kitchens and all these objects, you know, dishes and um, you know little knickknacks and stuff that you know st- little details, but the objects that they made. I would I would have loved to have been like an intern at Pixar at the time and and have like the assignment of like, well, you need to model like 50 different looking pots, and they're going to be in this film. You know, mm-hmm. I can just imagine it being something like that. That'd be fun. But there's really so much in the film. It's it's crazy. Despite it looking a little old, but at the same time the animation is just is just beautiful. And then the the cinematography. Did y'all notice that the cinematography was just like really you know real and and very active? Mm-hmm. Brad Bird. I think Bradbird. the only thing that really showed age for me was just when it got like really close up on like the eyes or the face. 
Like, oh, yeah. There, that, but that was really the only thing that was really telling to me. But other yeah. than that, I like, totally agree that this is just, it looks beautiful. Yeah. All right, so Remy's having trouble um, because he doesn't really want to tell his family that he wants to be a cook and that he's sneaking into the old granny's house and learning how to cook and stuff. And, and you read? <laughs> and um, and then there's this family. Do you guys like, or do you guys like, does Remy's family appeal to you? Like, do they appeal to your own sensibilities? I mean, like the the dorky brother. And, symp- like, in what way? I can kind of sympathize with the father. I can totally sympathize with the father. <laughs> I mean, except for the like the whole eating trash thing. I mean, I'm above that. But like, that's just, good to know. <laughs> I know. No, um, but the the father, he's just kind of like I, do I the well, do what's best for the family, kind of like the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants you to know for, put aside your dreams because we have a like a, a nation, basically this community to take care of. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I grew up like in a family business and when you're, when you work in a family business, you work everything like you are, whatever needs to get done, you just go and do it. And so like, I can see that element in their, in their community where it's just like everybody kind of works together. So I get that. Yeah, he's kind of like, hey, we just got to survive, and, like, we're so busy trying to survive that we really don't have time for, like, your weird hobbies, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. But he's like, oh, wait a minute, one of your hobbies is useful for our survival, so, hey, come over here, son. <laughs> you know? This is my dad, who's never impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so this right, this so- movie actually has one of the, you know, the classic, which has kind of been made fun of in animation, like, this is me, you know? Oh, yeah. Have you, have you heard this kind of... Cartoon Brew, I'll include a link on it, but they kind of break down, like, this animation trope where, like, the character, we're introduced by, like, this, you know, narrator, and, and he's just talking, and then there's, like, a moment where he says, this is me, you know, and this happens in where he's jumping out the window with the book. Uh-huh. And oh, we don't yeah. know the context at this, the time. It, it starts just like, this is Burke. We hate dragons. Yep. Maybe we should ride dragons instead of killing dragons. (laughs) By the way, my name is Hiccup and nobody likes me. All right. So I can see how that's kind of a trope, you know. Also, the whole, like, I don't know. There's a a few, like, story tropes, you know. The old, you're a rat. You'll always be a rat. You'll never, you can never be a chef. So, so you don't care about your family, you know. And then there's a couple of, you lied to me moments, you know. (laughs) Here's another trope. Okay, so Remy gets in trouble. Granny pulls out her shotgun, and she never runs out of ammo until the plot demands it. <laughs> I knew you were like, going to say that. Like, maybe I'm just really, maybe I just need to get off my high horse, but, like, it's just yet another gross misrepresentation of how a firearm works. And maybe one of the reasons why people in Hollywood are, I know, well, it doesn't. It doesn't take a lot of brains to figure out that you can't fit nine, nine or ten rounds into a shotgun. A pump shotgun. <laughs> She's just going crazy with that thing. Also, she really does not. She totally senile at this point. Poor French granny. But like, maybe the one of the reasons why people in Hollywood are so like anti-gun is because Hollywood doesn't understand guns. That you just can't grab a shotgun and and pull off ten rounds. Oh well, I'll get off my high, ho- high horse. But um, sometimes I I, I watch a, like a TV episode where people are like shooting around with guns, and I'm like, okay, by now they should have reloaded twice. By now, 
I would like to be in in the film business just so I can be the realistic depiction of firearms consultant. <laughs> I'm sure that's a popular job. <laughs> like, okay, first, so the ghost of Gusto kind of pops up and he's like, hey, look around. And he, um, <clears throat> Gusto's going to switch through a lot of accents the more I... <laughs> the more I talk in his voice. And uh, I like the shots of Remy, like, scampering through the walls, you know? Because it's cool, because you, you have to, like, you can't really fit a camera in there. So one of the, mag- you know, the, one of the magic elements of animation is that you can fit a camera anywhere. And some people don't like that. Like, super cinematography people, they, like, think that an animated film needs to be filmed exactly as if there was a camera crew sitting there. But other people think that, hey, it's animation, we can do what we want and have all kinds of crazy camera angles. So I'm glad they went that route with this one. I think that's kind of the point. Like, you have this world and you can get into spaces and niches that you wouldn't normally be able to. And if if it gives us the ability to get a cool camera angle, let's do it. Um, I think I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. And so shortly thereafter, he is introduced to Linguini. What do y'all think of Linguini? He's such a dork, but he's awesome. He's clearly a, a fish out of water. He's he's taking this position basically because he needs a job. I need this job. Been fired from I've so, lost many. so many. <laughs> you know, and you at that point you you feel for him, but. Yeah, he's, this is not the place for him. And that's what kind of really, they do a great job because, um, Linguini should not be there. But he is because of who he is. He's a human and he's the son. And so that's why he's able to have this job, you know, as the garbage boy, basically. But he's in this, you know, amazing restaurant. And on the other hand, that's, that's contrasted with, with Remy, who should be there, but he can't because of who he is. And so they kind of have to work together to use uh, Linguini's strengths, which is, like you said, being human and having a body, and <laughs> and uh, Remy's abilities to create amazing, delectable food. I, I think it's cool. It's just a, a fun juxtaposition of the two characters who ultimately have to work together. I like um, I like the scene where he's like, all right, I'm going to put you down now, but we got to work together on this thing. As soon as he puts him down, he, he runs away. <laughs> I like it. Well, my oh, favorite. There's quote that cute of little moment where he comes back. My my favorite moment of all of them is like, "You're the one who got fancy with the spices." I still quote that one. Though. What was that? What was that? Uh, oregano? What was that? Rosemary? That's a spice, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Then what was all that other stuff you put in there? Oh, that's like me cooking. <laughs> that must be how it sounds like when I try to cook <laughs> when Shanna's looking, watching me. <laughs> And then we kind of launch into what I think is kind of the silliest part of the film, but it still kind of works, is Remy's method of controlling Linguini. Like, can you, I, I can imagine strangely the involuntary. Pixar, <laughs> This is strangely involuntary. I can imagine the dudes at Pixar at, like, a, a brain trust meeting. Like, all right, Brad, everything looks really solid, except how do we get Remy to control what Linguini's doing? Grab his hair, of course. <laughs> Grab his hair, of course. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's a little silly. Clever. I think it's kind of clever. I mean, what else were they going to do? Have him, like, whisper in his ear? Yeah. Yes. Because cause well, you can't, it, it can't Remy be has the instincts. Remy has the instincts, and he knows what to do. So ha- there's really no other way for him to transpose that without actually just doing it. So I think it's kind of corny cute. Yeah, and they they do have this little cute little montage where they're like learning how to do it. He reaches for the knife, and I'm like, "Don't do it, man! Too early." <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and so he gets his apprenticeship with the lovely Colette. Wee oui, wee, oui. <laughs> ha ha ha. 
He he he! Ha ha ha! I'm speaking to you with cursets. I love you very much. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, I okay. So I love how they're how Linguini he has this kind of rise to fame. You know, and that the at the same time Skinner totally suspects him, and I love the little subplot of Skinner like perpetually going more and more crazy, trying to trying to unmask the rat behind behind Linguini's success. You know, but then at the same time when he's talking to his lawyer, he's like, he just wants me to think that it's the rat. He just wants me to get sucked up into his little game. He wants me to be crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Should I be concerned about you? <laughs> like his lawyer. And so, like, the first half of the film, like, I like to kind of divide films into, their, like, the midway point. And to me, the midway point is, like, right before, right after Linguini just got super successful. Not necessarily when he found out he was the heir. Like, after he has that long night of being, like, interrogated by Skinner. And he's super okay. My favorite scene in the whole movie was where Remy put the sunglasses on him. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and Colette's trying to like <laughs> Colette's I... trying to like. She's like, I said good morning. She's like, <laughs> hey, hey. And then that, I love the part where she's like, is the best where he just flops <laughs> his head just... like, hey girl. <laughs> No, it's so great. She's like, so I heard you, you were there all night celebrating with Skinner. He like flips his head over and it just looks like he's saying like, oh, really? Oh, you're so pathetic. <laughs> it's so, I want to make a gif of that. Ooh, I still have the rental. I can totally do that. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I just love that face so much. Whoever animated that was genius. And then, aw, it only took, like, by a Pixar standpoint, it, it only took her a little while to fall in love with, with Linguini. Yeah, pretty quick. I mean, like I still don't understand month. how or why she fell in love with him, but that's okay. He like, was different. He, he, was, he was everything he was, that she wasn't. <laughs> yes, she was very hard. Also, um, I appreciate uh, Colette's character. Like, people are talking like, oh, Frozen was so groundbreaking in that it had, like, non, um, non you know, typical female characters oh like what pixar's been doing that since forever mm-hmm. like colette's great because she's like she has her awesome speech about how she's the toughest she has to be the toughest chef mm-hmm. in the um in the chef land what do you call that thing where all the chefs are the kitchen and uh, I, I cook sometimes <laughs> i i cook sometimes i know what a kitchen is <laughs> we'll that. That for that one Hold on, we have to clean the chef land real quick. <laughs> yeah, so there's the chef land. And um, and also her character design isn't like typical, like, giant eyeballs, typical Disney princess look, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, she's got, she's got character to her character design, you know? And I like it. I like when he's trying to, he's trying to explain things to Colette. And he's like, I have a secret. It's kind of disturbing. <laughs> She's like slowly reaching for her pepper spray. <laughs> I have, I have a tiny. Sh- I, I, I have a tiny. <laughs> so awkward. And then at oh, and at the same time we, uh, it's like everything's kind of happening at once and setting up for the second act, um, where Skinner's like really the villain, you know, and all he wants to do is sell millions and millions of burritos. 
<laughs> well, honestly, you know, I, this, okay, this is where my, like, capitalism comes out. It's like, I would be totally oh, fine oh. with the Chef Gusto burrito. Like, I, I would buy that. <laughs> ah, consumerism based off a dead person's legacy. Hey, the- Chef, if they did it for, um, oh, who's that guy? He has all these, like, sauces and his face is on every one of them, except he looks like... Newman? Newman? He's, he's dressed up. You know exactly what, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Newman's Where's own. Paul, Newman's own. Paul, Paul Newman, Newman. Gary Newman. Oh, he has the best okay. best salad dressing. They are very and, good, yeah. Newman. And salsa. Newman. Okay, but that so he's, goes to charity. <laughs> right, that goes to charity. So I doubt that Skinner was going to let the Gusto um, microwavable stuff um, turn into... Um, you know, go to charity. I also like his little shot at American culture. You know, oh, they're corn dogs. You, you get a cheap sausage. You, you smother it in batter and you deep fry it. It's, it's American thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't just eat corn dogs. Corn. Hawaiian haystacks, on the other hand, he can take as many shots as that as, as he wants. Ooh, I love Hawaiian haystacks. Oh, come on, Chelsea. <laughs> this is why I don't belong on this episode. I don't have a problem with Hawaiian haystacks. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys. Hawaiian haystacks, those, haystacks are the worst. For those who don't understand, explain the Hawaiian haystack, because I don't know Hawaiian, if that's a, a universal like, reference. Well, you know how Utah is kind of the land of people who think that they're cool, but they're really not? <laughs> oh um, Hawaiian haystacks is one of those things. <laughs> yeah, just like. Cafe Rio, BYU football. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. Just kidding. I love you, Utahns. But Hawaiian haystack is basically you get rice and you just put stuff on top of it. And I, I guarantee you that's not how the Hawaiians do it. <laughs> and but yet because, they're always they, first in line. And yet every potluck in Utah and, and every, <laughs> every lunch break. At the BYU Telefund, where we call people and ask for donations. But anyway, yeah, every Hawaiian haystack is like this horrible dish. Let it me, is so simple to make. Let me spice it up for you. So it's it's a, oh, a bed of rice. Fancy with spices. It's a bed of rice topped off to with a delectable chicken sauce with chunks <laughs> of delectable moist chicken drizzled all over the rice, sprinkled. With Chinese, what are those things called? Like they're a... <laughs> All those little Chinese crunchy little noodles. wormy things. It's like a crunchy noodle, a the Chinese noodles. crunchy noodle. And with a little bit of chives and cheese... And you mix it all together, and it's just a paparazzi in your mouth. It's just so good. A and it's amazing. I don't know. I'm just thinking yeah. of words, and that's not <laughs> applicable. But, you know, you think of paparazzi. They're just all over the place. It's like a yeah, party in my mouth, and everybody's invited. Oh, brother. All right. <laughs> End of Hawaiian haystacks tangent slash soapbox. That happened. And then I, I, I love this. Yeah, it totally did. Things are happening on this podcast. And uh, I, I love how Skinner just, he gets booted out and he just goes crazy. Like, he devotes all of his time to busting Remy and Linguini. And I like the part where he um, oh, he's chasing after Remy because he has the piece of the will that basically transfers all of the Gusto's restaurant to Linguini. And uh, I like that, that whole montage of him, like, chasing after Remy. And I love how Remy is so smart. He did the one thing that no one ever does when being chased by a huge object, you know, um... Skinner on his motorcycle. He actually ran off to the side instead of trying to outrun it. <laughs> he so is smart. Such a smart rat. He is a, a very smart rat. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um and then he kind of get introduced to this thing where Linguini kind of gets a big head about it. And he does the dumbest thing. He's like, "I don't need you anymore. You need to learn your place, you dumb rat." And he's like, "Okay, well good luck cooking anything." Mhm. <laughs> 
Take that. One thing I like about Pixar is that it kind of, it takes your typical ending apart and it kind of rearranges it. Because, like, at the very end, he's like, they're like, oh, kill the rat. And finally, Linguini's like, stop. Don't do it. For he is my tiny chef. He picks him up. <laughs> he picks him up in the, in the lighting. The lighting gets all, yeah, the lighting gets all, like, heartwarming. And the music starts playing. And he's like, you know what? I... I never thought I could be anything until I met this guy, and, and he's the reason why we've gotten so great, and he's the reason why I'm rich, and why <laughs> I, <laughs> and why Antonigo's here, and so, what do you say? You believed in me before, so how about we just pull this together and, and believe my tiny rat chef? <laughs> and then the, the one chef just, just like shakes his head and gives him his smock and leaves. <laughs> I love it. It's kind of like the Muppet movie where you're like, oh, they're going to pull it off and raise all the money, and then they actually didn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> so one of those cool things. We we totally just talked, like, didn't even talk about the little chef. <laughs> just how that he refers he refers to it as his little chef. Hi, little chef. Like, what? Your little chef? <laughs> Calls him his little chef. <laughs> Look, uh, you're my inspiration. <laughs> But I love, so, you know, everyone leaves, and so they basically have to do it on their own. And the rats, like, out of the, the goodness of their rat in. hearts. Yeah, who'd have thought? But they they definitely make sure, because of people like Chelsea who'd be watching the movie, they <laughs> made sure that Remy shows himself washing his hands, but they right. go above and beyond. They just steam, they steam clean the whole every place. rat. <laughs> the whole clan. Mm, they steamed a rat. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, and then ev- every scene with Anton Ego is just great. You know, he's messing with the waiter. You know, I would like some fresh perspective. <laughs> Can you suggest a good wine to go with it? He's like, fine. Since this restaurant seems to be all out of perspective, you just give me the food and I'll provide the perspective. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's so evil. They made him wait a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, that would be knocking down on the points. Like, seriously, if if this were made today, it would not be an Anton Ego, who is the main protagonist. It would be Yelp. Yelp would be all over that. And then be like... Oh, the main antagonist? Yes. The, the, the real villain in the story is Yelp? <laughs> yes. Ratings <What>? hurt. <laughs> no, Yelp is great. I know, yes. but... It not, but rivals use Yelp to, you know, put bad reviews on their rivals and their... Oh, editors. see, that I don't like messed up. That's Can't called just, cyber fraud. We just prove that each their own. Just prove it with the food and have the customers yeah. By the way, it was cooked by a rat. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of speaking of uh, getting your goose cooked, I like the part at the end where um, Skinner finally traps Remy in the cage. And oh. uh, I like the old uh, trapped in a cage and giving up at the protagonist's lowing point. Lowest point, you know. Very, very Toy Story, you know, uh-huh. or Woody's in the cage, or I think it's yeah, Woody's in the cage, and then Buzz is like, "Wait, I can be Buzz Lightyear." Anyway, <laughs> I like I like how there's just the huge rat, the lab rat, you know, who has who's gotten all huge because the experiments. Then he has that ear tag that has a one thirteen on it um, <laughs> for the trivia seeker, and I love how he can just push a gargoyle off of a building and. Make it land on a car and get hey, the car trunk open. He's he knows what's up. They also capture Hogtie and imprison a health inspector and Skinner. Mm-hmm. Which is also it. I I love how they just show the rats hauling him in to the pantry and Colette's watching the whole thing and she's just like, oh well, <laughs> like goes back to what she was doing. I mean, what can you do by that point? Mm, nada. 
Okay, and so the real, I think the real magic of this film is when Anton Ego finally takes that fateful first bite of the ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Everything after that is just pure, like, gold. I don't know why. Maybe because it, uh, the movie, like, created this moment that was so powerful that it changed, it literally changed the heart of, like, a heartless person. Mm-hmm. Gave him you know? some perspective. He gave him some perspective. And then there's that really interesting part where, um, they kind of laid it all, all out on, on the line and be like, okay, wait till closing. And it's been a wrap the whole time. So please don't write a bad review, you know? And then they kind of have to wait for what he says. And that whole monologue that Anton Ego does where he, oh. he talks about what he wrote in his review is just amazing. Legendary. Like such good writing. Legendary status. I'd say that is one of the top, you know, Pixar moments of all time. If you were going to pull out, whether it's emotional, just anything, just the whole spectrum, this moment, like people, this, you know, soliloquy that he does is amazing. And it's just, it sums everything up about the movie, but the fact that it's done from the voice of a critic just fits so well with, you know, the movie. It's not like a cheesy voiceover, just someone like, here's the moral of the story. It it ties in with the movie so well, which is, I think, the reason why it is so effective. Yeah, yeah. Because you're drawn into his transformation. Uh, transformation. Um, you're drawn into Anton Ego's transformation, like, almost as much, if if not more, than the other characters' transformations. Because mm-hmm. it's like he's redeemed from this, like, miserable, pessimistic person into someone who who loves life. Mhm. And he's okay with a rat preparing his food. Isn't that what life is all about? No. <laughs> yeah. And it goes along with that it goes along with the theme that anyone can cook or anyone can um you know greatness can come from anyone. Mhm. All right, anything else on the ending? Did you like the fact that they revealed Remy to to Antonigo? Or does it matter? I think I do because I think if they, he would have had been enshrouded in darkness and wouldn't have exposed who he really was, it could have, you know, I don't know if we'd have time to it, but it could have ended badly. People don't appreciate when you keep secrets from them. And I think the fact that he was so confident in who he was, even though he'd worked really hard, it was a huge risk in that moment. He worked so hard to finally get there. The restaurant was being critically acclaimed by everyone. And it could have all just tumbled and he would have been living in the sewers the next day. Um, but if people weren't ready to accept him. But I think, I don't know, I just liked that it, it, he went that next step where he had to prove who he was. Not not prove, he didn't have to prove anything, but he was willing to be that vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did end badly. The restaurant got shut down. Oh, yeah. But he came <laughs> back up and he, he jumped back. He started his own. And people at that point were accepting, especially with uh, Anton being the backer of the new restaurant, which really, you know, helped people kind of see through this prejudice they'd had towards rats, especially rats in a kitchen that um, I don't know. I just I liked it. Do you think everybody knew in the end that the rats were the cooks? Uh, They had. Don't you? I don't know. Because he never he never um, explicitly stated that um, the cook that cooked him that dish was Remy. Yeah, but I think in the end with the restaurant that's called, I don't think it was called Remy's, but I just feel that... Called Ratatouille. Yeah, that it... uh, And, like, the logo had, like, a rat with a wooden spoon. Yeah, I think that was sort of just, like, a very uh, not-so-subtle way to show that, okay, like, it's obvious this is the chef, this is what it is, this is the experience you're getting into. Yeah. 
Uh, I'd have to rewatch the ending to to see if if because obviously Anton Ego knows it's Remy because he because he's like you know the surprise me you know at the end mm-hmm. and the but I don't know if any of the other people do. I wonder if Anton Ego. I imagine you keep that a secret, <laughs> especially with all the other uh, you know workers that would be there. But I don't know. I I say. Well, what if a health inspector stop. decides to show up? <laughs> I don't know. So that one. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Maybe they were. I don't know. It's a mystery. They were able to lobby and prove that rats are not dirty and they're not. You know, it's not an infestation. It's not an infestation. (laughs) Yeah. It's a. It's a innovation. Have a rat infestation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The end credits are really fun when they, you know, when everything's said and done. Mm-hmm. I don't think they even say the. I don't think they even have show the. Do they show the the title of the film until the end? You know how movies do that sometimes. I don't know. I never paid attention to that. Yeah, I me mean, neither. Maybe maybe it's irrelevant. Um, I like the end credits. You know, you got you know mice uh, in the kitchen being crazy. And it's two D animated. It's so cute. Yeah, isn't that great? I love I love when they just animation. throw back to the the 2D or just a really quirky style that, yeah, it seems like a lot like Tangle did that. Um, oh yeah, their end credits were great. Big Hero 6's credits I wasn't like overwhelmed with. They were pretty low key. But yeah, I just, I like it when it's kind of a, a little bit of 2D animation. Well, I don't think Big Hero 6's credits were 2D animated. I think they were just um, either concept art to look like comic book pages or, no, or yeah. know, something yeah. like that. It was more like an animatic sort of yeah, yeah. I like Rick and Ralph's throwback. Go to Rick it! Yeah, kind of like a retro look. Uh-huh. You know, arcade was, was arcade games were amb- ambiguous. Just, just bit. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so crappy sequel time, uh, or crappy ripoff time. I don't know, this story just kind of makes me laugh. Apparently people made a big fuss about a movie called Ratatouille. It was a Brazilian-made animated film, and it's actually been mentioned by, um, by our listeners in in the the mailbag segment, and um, there's a link to it on YouTube if you dare. It is horrible. <laughs> like it is horrible. It's like rendered on like Maya hardware. No, don't click on it. <laughs> I, you included the link. <laughs> oh, I did, didn't I? You know, as an animator, I'm ple- You know, as a budding like college animator, I'm I'm pleased to know that I'm at least better than those guys. <laughs> And if nobody in the U.S. will take me, maybe I can just move to Brazil and Chelsea can teach me Brazilian or whatever they speak down there. And I can be an animator in Brazil. I know they speak Portuguese. I can help you. We can be a great team. (laughs) Together we can rule the galaxy. Anyway, (laughs) apparently Veronica Taylor, a.k.a. Ash Ketchum, his slash herself, does voices in Ratatouille. So it's not like in the English dub, at least. So it's not. I don't know, totally horrible? Like, was it at least available on Redbox? You can get pretty low and still be on Redbox. And, like, I watched some of it, and sure, the film is about, like, rats cooking, but it isn't a ripoff of Ratatouille. You think like, you- I, w- I wouldn't even compare the two. That would be giving Ratatouille way too much credit. <laughs> well, it's sort of like that one movie that was, they changed their name to, like, Frozen Land or something. Yeah. And it wasn't anything to do with Frozen. It was just like a... No, they just a, wanted name association. Yeah, and I think that's sort of what this is. It just, they, they, it's a similar-ish name. They knew it would get more exposure if they did that, and so here you go. And I, now, oh, I love, love this YouTube video. Uh, the, it comes with the, text commentary. The notes says, the crap, the 
crapster piece of ratatouille in full with Crapster commentary piece. using text. Enjoy the horribleness. <laughs> oh, it, it is terrible. It, it, <laughs> it's it's so bad. It makes no sense. Um, and and to the credit of Pixar fans, like that specific um, studio, they're notorious for um, learning about a new film by Disney or Pixar or the big studios and. Um, guessing what the movie's going to be about and then making an animated movie about that and finishing it several years before the Disney, the, the original Disney movie gets released. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so technically, it's not a ripoff, but it, it is a... It's like a, a very, very jerk move, <laughs> marketing move, of being like, hey, uh, it, it'd be like as if... It'd be like maybe a year from now, people start making knockoff... Um, Polynesian themed movies. No, not that you know, Like right now. Yeah, right now. We would have to see it right now, and um, and so whatever. But it's so horrible. But the fans actually expected Pixar to file a lawsuit against these guys. I mean, come on. They have their Just dignity. Let them, let them do their thing. Like that's that's get that, that's giving you way too much credit. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I kind of see this as something like. If we were to go ahead and do something, a mock something, it would be a mockery. It would. But it would be a mockery of ourselves. I guess. I guess I, they're only hurting themselves by producing these films. But uh, apparently people still pay money for them. <laughs> I don't know why, when I could just animate the same thing, the same quality. Uh, why don't you start your own animation studio? Okay, fine. Maybe I will. Will, All you, right. will, you, will you voice Coming. one of those princesses, like I, told, like I said? You yes. Said? Okay. Yes. Hey, what about me? Lady Gaga is going to be your singing voice, though. What am I, chopped liver? Perfect. Chelsea, you don't you're have going a, to be my music specialist. You, Chelsea. <laughs> I'm always get the short end of the stick in this relationship. <laughs> no, hey, he and I have had a deal forever, and I really don't have to do anything. <laughs> just gets to use my likeness, and I get to go into a movie. <laughs> and now I'm going to voice it. Excellent. Chelsea, you can be my music specialist. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, so that's the story of Ratatouille. Maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. It looks it looks ugh. looks like <laughs> stuff I made in sophomore year in high school. But anyway, ooh, there's like a sassy girl who walks. Like a sassy that's Ash mouse. Ketchum, the blonde one. <laughs> no, she's got like red hair. Oh, that might that might be the bad mouse. It's hard. It's really hard to tell who's who. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> so what do you say we wrap this up? Let's do it. Let's put some garnish right. on it. What's your general beef, no pun intended, get it, food? And then uh, what do you rate Ratatouille? Ratapatootie. I have no beef with this film. I love this film. <laughs> oh, all and chicken, huh? I'm giving Ratatouille five stars. I, Holy whoa. cow, five stars. Whoa, I didn't realize that would be so out of this world. Woo, 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 woo. I just really love this movie. Every time I watch it, I'm completely captivated in the plot. I love just how Pixar took this, you know, it's been done a million times before France, you know, and it just made it so great. And we didn't even talk about the music, but Michael Giacchino's score is just so soothing and just comforting. And I think they did a really good job with the score. Um, I love that it doesn't have, you know, well-known A-listers. If you can just focus on the characters, um, I think the unique combo of Linguini and Remy with, you know, the two different antagonists, which is Skinner and then later Anton Ego, I think just really just the way the plot lays out is great. And um, one of my top, you know, animated films of all time. And it's no doubt because Brad Bird was involved. Brad Bird. 
Bradbird. 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 All right. Uh, I'm going to give it four stars. Five stars is such a big deal, though. Like, five stars is like Lion King. I gave Lion King five stars. I can't give Ratatouille five stars. But four stars is, is really good. Like, that's a superb animated film. And um, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I, it reminds me a lot of um, Presto. Do you remember that short by mm-hmm. Pixar? It kind of reminds me, and that was Andrew Stanton, not necessarily Brad Bird, but it kind of reminded me of that. It was physical humor without being slapstick. You know, it was action without being an action movie. And um, so I think Brad Bird just has a Brad Bird just has this amazing talent for creating an exciting story. And um, revisiting the movie, um, it really is spectacular. It's, it's beautiful, and it is a work of art. So four stars. I'll give it four stars as well. Ooh. Um. Like I said, I, I, there's a lot of really good points in this movie, and I do like it. Um, it's just, it's definitely not a five star for me, but it's, it's got a lot of really great things. So, um, I'll give it four. All right, so let's go into the mailbag. All right, we got a we got a plus size mailbag for y'all. First one is from Logan. Logan writes, "Hello, Rotoscopers. I'm 12 years old and I still like your podcasts. Oh, thanks for hanging in there, Logan. You still, <laughs> he hasn't you thrown st- out of our podcast. You still like us? Wow. I mean, don't you think it's time to move on? <laughs> Sorry, Logan. I don't mean I'm, I'm not. I think in. he meant he's 12, and even at being 12, he loves the podcast. He's All he's right. a young fan. And still, I like your podcast. Hey." You have some young fans out there, too. We do. Infinite possibilities. Me, my dad, and my little brother all enjoy your podcasts, and I knew when you started your rat series you were going to do Ratatouille. I love this film. It always makes me hungry, especially for that Ratatouille. (laughs) I really need to find that recipe. Anyway, Ratatouille made a lot of money, so it would be natural to have some... Lower class studios want that money. Uh oh, I think I know what we're talking about. <laughs> if that they make a film just like this one, it was that it was a success. People would think that it is original film and buy it. The result is probably the worst film on the planet. <laughs> a Brazilian studio named Video Brinquedo thought this was a great idea and made. Here it comes, Ratatouille. In my opinion, it is the worst animated film ever known to man. Holy well, cats. I have to watch That's, this in full now. <laughs> I, I provided the link, and we should spread the, the, the love and hate to everyone. We the show notes. He says the characters look really bad. Their mouths are out of sync. Well, that, that's because of the Brazilian dub, probably. Probably. Plus, their mouths look like a black void that take you that will take you directly to the twilight. <laughs> so, Logan, I I like what you're writing so far. That's like amazing. <laughs> the story is really dumb. There are a, a bunch of rats that love Ratatouille's food and really want to know their secret. Well, don't give it away. <laughs> the owner and only chef Marcel Towing uh, tells the rats that the secret is care and devotion to their meals, which they think is fake. They are actually right. The secret food sensing goggles that they use on Thursday nights to steal food from a human kitchen. That is a twist right there. (laughs) And how's this for a really original plot? At the last kitchen raid, a deformed looking cat had to come out of nowhere and try to capture the rats. Is this the worst film on the planet? Most people say precisely. (laughs) That is an infamous quote from the movie spoken by Mike Pollock's character. I will show no mercy and give this film zero out of five stars. Wow. Uh, what do you think? Video Brinquedo has also made really dumb spinoffs like The Little Cars, What's Up, and The Little Panda Fighter, and Gladiformers. 
platformer sounds amazing. <laughs> See if he could guess that what those spun off of. Uh, Before I finish, I also have requests for some time later. Could you guys do Finding Nemo? This is my favorite film of all time. I would give it five out of five stars. See you real soon. Your biggest and probably youngest fan, Logan. Oh, Logan, you you are a great fan. And thank you for writing that. Wow, a, a 12-year-old who likes Ratatouille that much. That's pretty See? cool. He's sharp deep. as a tack, that Logan. And uh, <laughs> and about fi- as as far as Finding Nemo goes, we actually like have the show notes prepared to do a Finding Nemo episode. That's true. We just di- weren't <laughs> able to do one, probably because it was around October, and instead of doing Finding Nemo, I threw a fit and made us do a Halloween episode. It's so. true. It's true. Oh, actually, we're gonna do it for sorry. Finding Nemo 3D. <laughs> oh man. Well, since that time, I have seen the stage. Um, adaptation of Finding Nemo oh, really? um, at Disney World. Yes, so I am prepared to talk about that. So maybe it's a good thing we held off. Ooh, Kristen and Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, they wrote the music for that. Yes, they did. The great Blue World. I actually tried out for it. Aw. <laughs> I'm okay it's that I didn't get it. Carl. <laughs> no, we just think it was cute. We're, we're not. I mean, we are okay. We we do. Well, I was saying aw because I knew you didn't. Gee, I, I had A W E. George of the Jungle. <laughs> uh. Oh my gosh! All right, our next one is from Old Reliable Joshua K. Rotoscopers, here are my thoughts on Pixar's Ratatouille. But first, here are the Easter eggs. The Pixar planet truck is in the chase scene in the background. A113 is on a rat's ear. Bon voyage from The Incredibles is a mime in one scene. And The Incredibles logo is on underwear. Doug Shadow is briefly seen in one scene as a sneak peek. And bonus, in the direct-to-video short film, Your Friend the Rat, Wally is seen driving a spaceship. Now for my actual thoughts on the film. This movie makes me hungry. <laughs> Another hungry person. And maybe I want to try two different foods at once. Of course, if you have Pixar, you know the animation is going to be great. And it is. I also like the humor in the movie. It's like rat and patooey. Rat, rat patootie. There's not much to say, then this is just a great movie. Not my favorite, but still great. I give it four and a half stars. Also, I have a question for you guys. Do you think pick, you will do a Pixar short films episode on all the shorts so far? In case, I'm going to send you my thoughts on that soon. Anyway, I'm out. You guys rule. Joshua K. Woo. Yay. Hey, we really okay. should do a nerdy couch discussion on all the Pixar short films. That would be a good, ne- that would be a good fit for that discussion. Yeah, that would. All right. This next one looks like a good one for me. Uh, This is from Tom. He says, hey, guys, I've been listening to the podcast for over a year now and have never had the urge to write in. That was until I heard you were recording this podcast, and I had to tell you how much I love this film, even after initially hating it. The times I had seen this movie advertised made me feel ill. I really didn't like the look of rats, especially during the scene where they all fell in through the lady's house. Oh, that's one of the best parts. However, when I did sit down and watch Brad Bird's second Pixar flick, I loved it. The style of animation and voice acting, the feel of the Paris, and the way the film romanticized food as being a form of art was really fun and and interesting. This year, as well as watching the film, I got to go to Disneyland Paris for the first time, where I went on the Ratatouille ride, which was equally amazing. Interesting. I didn't know they had a Ratatouille ride. If you ever get the chance to visit, I would really recommend it. As it was the best use of 3D I've ever seen. You could even smell the cheese. Or maybe that was the the Bishop Cheese Remy restaurant next door. Anyway, can't wait to listen to this episode. Keep up the good work, Tom. Thanks, Tom. I really want to go to Disneyland Paris. I've heard it's, like, good but not good, but 
still cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would love to go to Disneyland Paris. I bet the food is a lot better than the other parks. No offense, U.S. Disney parks, but, uh, you know, unless you go to one of the nice restaurants, it's hard to find good food at the Disney parks. I'm excited that it even got its own ride because, like, Cars, you know, Cars is such an obvious franchise to do a, you know, attraction for. But Ratatouille, uh, it's kind of like a, this cult film now. Not really cult, but it has its following. But not uh, you don't see Ratatouille toys anywhere. You'd be lucky to find a Ratatouille shirt in the parks. But the fact that it was given its own, and I think, obviously, the only reason is because of the location in France. So. so what's the rider like? They throw, know. like, knives at you and stuff. I'm awesome. guessing it's something to the effect, I mean, this is just me think, uh, thinking, probably, like, Soren and Gover, California. I mean, they could have done something akin to that because he said it's like, has smells and everything. Ooh, you should be an Imagineer. Fancy. I should be. I would be really good at that job. This next one is from Drew. Drew says, hey, Rotoscopers, this is Drew. This is Drew. <laughs> <laughs> This is kind of, this is kind of jumping ahead a bit, but if you don't have a film scheduled for this year's Christmas special, one that should go in the lineup is Rankin Bass's Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Burger Meister Meister Burger. <laughs> this is a film I really enjoy and I think you guys should have, would have a great time reviewing this one. Thanks, Drew. P.S. This isn't animation related, but Star Wars is mentioned very regularly on the podcast, mostly by Mason. What? I know. What? Just out of curiosity, do each, each of you guys have a favorite episode? Ooh. Gosh, that's like choosing my favorite Pokemon. All right, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of A New Hope. Coughing. Coughing. I just like saying their names. Now we're talking about <laughs> Pokemon. Um, to answer your question, my favorite Pokemon is... I'm just kidding. I really like uh, episode four, A New Hope, the original of originals. And I'm sorry, don't hate me, but I really like episode one. It is probably my... I can't say it's my second favorite because there's still Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, but I really like episode one. Take out Jar Jar, take out little little boy Anakin, and I just had a blast watching that film, and I still do. I, I don't necessarily know if I have a favorite episode, but I like the, the prequel trilogy. I'll just go out and say it. I think it's fine. <laughs> you know? I, I know people bash on it. It's like the worst thing in the world. They pretend like I, it never should have been made, but I'm like, it's... Great! Like, what's our, so bad? Our download guess... rates are dropping by the second. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I know Hayden Christensen is a horrible actor, but I, you know what? It happened. Just be <laughs> glad that the movies happened, right? I don't know. Anyway, I like Star Wars. I'm really excited for the trailer to come out on Friday, and by the time this ep- this episode comes out, the trailer will already be out for episode seven. So, you know, are they going to do that thing where you have to go to a movie theater to watch the trailer in the previews? Uh, I don't think so. That's messed up. Yeah, I'm looking for a leak here. I actually really liked episode six the best. Ooh, Return of the Jedi? Mm-hmm. It's just, I think mostly it was just because when I first saw it, I was pretty young, and I really liked the... Ewoks. Was it the Ewoks? The little Yeah, the little, little teddy bear guys. Yeah, I loved the Ewoks. I was like, this is why this is my favorite one. <laughs> I'm very predictable. Well, no. Ewoks are great. Yeah, I liked them, and they they got to live in like tree houses, and I just thought that was fantastic. So and toot little horns, oh, they're so cute, little bears. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have a Star Wars day and do uh, like the Clone Wars movie. All right. Thank you guys for coming in today. We're so glad to have you once again. We've got a lot of 
We've had a lot of fun times over this Rats and My series, um, and we have even more fun times to come. Make sure Are we you... done with the Rats no, series? No, we have a couple more, because we still have Secret of Nim. We also are thinking about doing Rescuers, were, you, were we? I've, or maybe I'm just making that up. We want to do Rescuers really and Once Upon a Forest, because yeah. we have to do that movie, yeah. apparently. <laughs> well, it got such high votes that I'm like, man, How our Rats these... series... Okay, you know what? I bet there's just a consortium of, of no. Rose Cooper's fans who are just <laughs> voting for these movies on purpose. <laughs> Once Upon a Forest? <laughs> we can choose to override that and just do Cinderella, like that was like during Re- Nim. That was something I you mean- watched like during Recycling Earth Week, you know, when you were in <laughs> elementary school. Uh, Obviously, it's not going to be a very good episode. We'll talk about all this off <laughs> off air. We're, we're Guys, we'll give, you, we'll give you the updated schedule on the podcast side there. We, we need to debate this. Otherwise, because there's so many rap movies. There's The Rescuers, Once Upon a Forest, which kind of has a mouse. Mason Sin- needs to be rep. Cinderella and Secret of Nim. (laughs) Hey, and Rescuers Don't Under. So... There's, yeah, there's we got to we got to fine tune because we don't want to be doing these mice forever. Well, yeah, eventually we have to move on from the mice. We we gotta let go. Gotta let go. All right. Anyway, so if you've made it to the end. Basically, always use the hashtag AnimAddicts when you're talking about the show. And if you're talking about a specific episode, just add the episode number at the end of that. So this would be AnimAddicts81. Um, for show notes, visit rotoscopers.com slash 81. You can also find links to rent the movie if you haven't seen it for a while. We can also be found on Hypable Animated Views and... All of our iTunes and Stitcher Radio, I mean, these are some great places to be. Um, If you do like the show, please subscribe on iTunes because that would help us a lot. Um, Go to the show and also leave feedback and reviews on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. If you have anything that you want to get on the show, just send us an email at contact at rotoscopers.com, and you can just put in the subject what it's about. Also, we are doing the... 2014 best of episode. So if you have a voicemail that you want to be included, go to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or call in at 406-646-6575. If you've listened to at least one episode this year, send us a voicemail. Tell us your experience. Um, we'd love to hear you guys. And if that's the case, then you're probably only listening to this episode. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, anyway. Um, check out our sponsors on Amazon. You can go to rotoscopers.com slash Amazon or slash Audible. Like Morgan mentioned up in the beginning of the show, we will be doing a Nerdy Couch discussion on one of my absolute favorite leadership and um, management books that I've read like this year. And that is Ed Catmull's Creativity, Inc. So check that out. Really, totally. It is 100% worth it. Also... We have the store. If you guys didn't listen in on the last episode, then you are going to listen in now. We still have t-shirts available. So if you want to head on over to rotoscopers.com slash store, you are able to find them there. We might even have a couple signed shirts available too. What, what? Yep. Signed shirts. They're going fast. So be sure to check them out at rotoscopers.com slash store. For all the best Disney quotes, head on over to disneyquotes.com. <laughs> Yes, I, I put my plug in there, okay? Those of you don't know, I have a website. 
site <laughs> called DisneyQuotes.com and PixarQuotes.com because I love Disney and Pixar quotes. And so I'm at the end of each episode, I'm just going to put a little reference because if you go to DisneyQuotes.com and you click on Ratatouille, uh, you can find all the amazing Ratatouille quotes that we didn't really get to go into. So go check out my site and support it. And if you have ideas for quotes that I'm missing, email me at contact at DisneyQuotes.com and let's get that fixed. So there's my plug. Thanks. <laughs> Nice plug. All right. Find us all on our individual locations. We're all on Twitter. Get on Twitter. But we're also all on Instagram. Check us out on Instagram. All of our handles are the same. Morgan Straddling, Chelsea Robson, R-O-B-S-O-N, Mason, Mason S-M-T-X. You can also check out his portfolio at masonsmithportfolio.com. Oh, please do. It's fun. Cute. Poor guy. Tries so hard. It's a bunch of rat patootie. <laughs> nice. Just kidding. <laughs> Mason is actually really talented. I love when he posts art on his Twitter and, and Instagram. And then obviously MasonSmithPortfolio.com is a great way to check out all his art. So please do it because he's a cool guy. And we want Mason to basically become the overlord of animation one day. So that's that's how you do it, basically. <laughs> oh, it's big shoes. <laughs> the overlord. I should put that. It says Mason Smith, animator, artist, and podcaster. Just put animation overlord <laughs> see how many uh callbacks i get hey are you the uh, overlord what that's me <laughs> <laughs> all right guys until next time we are the roastovers hold on i'll be right back i forgot i had something in the crock pot Ooh, speaking of cooking. Oh, yeah, our master chef right here, Crock-Pot Master. Let's all talk about what we've cooked today for Ratatouille. Oh, oh gosh, my plans were ramen. Oh, man. I at least made a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, I had a salad at work. um, And then yesterday I made steel-cut oatmeal. Steel cut oatmeal? Cool. Today I I drank juice for breakfast. So I basically... I'm just a horrible eater. I'm so lazy. Much. I would think you're so like into like working out and stuff. You would realize the the benefits of a hearty breakfast. Oh, I do. But today I just got to feel that fire. This is green machine, green smoothie. Ooh, good... was it? Um, was it naked juice? Yes, it was. So green I can. Rules. I like that's the a little different. One. It wasn't just like a little like eight ounce glass of orange juice. So yeah, I, I wanted to try it this morning because I need to get through it. I bought it and I was I haven't drank it in like a week. So I'm like, uh, okay, how can I uh, get through this? So breakfast, I'm trying it out. It's, it has all the goods that you need. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. We got to fuel that fire for the rest of the day. You know, you got to okay. stoke it. Precisely. That's me stoking the fire. Yeah. All right, did you get fancy with the spices over there, Chels? I did. All good. (laughs)